Good morning and welcome to the Burberry Interim's 2023 presentation. My name is Elliot and I'll be coordinating the call today. If you would like to ask a question on, at the end of the presentation, you can do so by pressing star followed by one on your telephone keypad. And I'd like to hand over to Burberry's Chief Executive Officer, Jonathan Ackroyd, to begin. Jonathan, please go ahead when you're ready. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today for our interim half-year results presentation. In terms of the agenda for today, I'll start with some brief remarks on our performance in the half, then provide an update on the business, then hand over to Kate to update you on our financial results, and we'll take your questions at the end. This time last year, I shared our strategy for the next phase. Since then, we have focused on execution. There is a tremendous amount of energy and excitement across the business. While we're still in the early stages of executing our plan, I'm proud of the progress we've made. I'm particularly pleased with what we've achieved in the past six months. We've delivered solid financial results. Retail revenue was up 10% on a comparable basis. And this was driven by good performance in leather goods and outerwear and positive momentum in EMEA, Japan and South Asia Pacific, driven by tourism and accelerating growth of Chinese customers globally. We've made significant progress across all areas of our strategic plan. We've seen a positive early response to our brand identity and collections. As you'll have noted in this morning's announcement, the slowdown in luxury demand globally is having an impact on current trading. If the weaker demand continues, we are unlikely to achieve our previously stated revenue guidance for FY24. But we remain confident in our brand and strategy, and we are committed to achieving our medium and longer term goals. Modern British luxury is our vision for Burberry's next phase. This is about leveraging our heritage and Britishness while bringing a more modern contemporary feeling to our brand. Our strategy is anchored around brand, product and distribution and supported by a sharper focus on operations, execution and efficiency. As I mentioned, while we're still in the early stages of implementation, the pace of change across the business has been impressive. In terms of highlights over the last six months, starting with brand, in July, we unveiled our Winter 23 campaign showcasing our new offer with a distinctive visual language that celebrated our new and enduring brand codes and placed key product categories center stage. We have seen a lot of interest from fashion editors globally. This has translated into higher volumes of editorials with more than two times greater reach versus winter 22. We continue to focus on in communicating a more coherent brand story with a brand aesthetic that is recognizably Burberry. For this campaign, we took new codes from the Winter 23 collection and applied them consistently across our customer touch points. As you can see here with our distinctive rose flags on Bond Street, in our store windows, and with key themes from the campaign incorporated into client experiences. And we ensured product and brand storytelling reached a broader audience than ever before through a large program of out-of-home activations, pop-ups and pop-ins. We also refreshed the Burberry.com website with a new look and feel aligned to our brand identity. The new site went live with the Winter 23 product launch. To complement the launch, we amplified our visibility with a series of city takeovers in high impact locations. Burberry Streets started in London in September and included a takeover of Bond Street Tube Station during London Fashion Week. 
London's iconic black cabs being wrapped in rose print, and immersive experiences anchored in Britishness, including a takeover of Norman's Cafe in North London. Burberry Streets then travelled to Seoul, where we took over the vibrant Songsao area, and then on to Shanghai. We are very pleased with the response. These activations helped drive our highest level of brand clarity in the last three years, as well as a continued growth in consumers who associate Burberry with Britishness and heritage. Our new brand expression and aesthetic are resonating well with our top clients, who have grown double digit in both number and revenue versus last year. This positive momentum is also reflected in external industry rankings, and we plan to build on this. Daniel evolved his creative expression for Burberry during London Fashion Week in September. The Summer 24 show, held in a custom tent in North London, continued to build on our heritage of the outdoors, reimagining the trench for the season, whilst also embracing new codes tied to the British summer. It was well attended by high-profile talent from the worlds of music, creative arts and sports that helped amplify our presence on social media. The response to the show has been highly positive. Global reach from press coverage doubled versus Winter 23, with key editors praising Daniel's focus on our British heritage and marriage of the aesthetic and environment. We also saw strong engagement on our social channels. Looking ahead, we will continue to strengthen our brand storytelling and connection with Britishness, building on the progress we've made so far. Customer recruitment is a key area of focus as we continue to engage broader consumer audiences and play more firmly in the luxury space. We will leverage our new product offer and make it much more visible and desirable, putting a spotlight on hero products. And we will strengthen the relationship with our customers with richer, more personalized and dynamic experiences. To support this, we will continue to invest strategically to enhance our brand. We've set a clear ambition to evolve our customer base with clear targets across all key dimensions. In line with our strategy, our goal is to grow the share of women's customers while maintaining strong traction with men's, leverage our unique heritage and creativity to engage with the younger audience, deepen the relationship and grow our top tier client, and focus on aggressively growing our customer base and deliver a more personalized customer experience, driving improvements in repurchase rates. I will update you regularly on our progress towards these targets. In terms of product, we believe Burberry is a brand that can play across all categories. In the last six months, I'm pleased with the progress we've made, particularly in leather goods and outerwear. In leather goods, sales were up 8% versus last year, driven by double-digit growth in bags. This was supported by ongoing momentum with our iconic offer and new shapes introduced as part of the Winter 23 collection. In outerwear, sales were up 21% versus last year, driven by sustained outperformance of heritage rainwear. In parallel, we continue to expand and evolve ready-to-wear, and starting with Winter 23 collection, we introduced a more complete shoe offering. In bags, the vintage check maintains its position as our top-selling women's line. I'm pleased to say that the new shapes we launched in September are working alongside our existing offer. Daniel has a unique strength in accessories, and we are already seeing some of these new shapes gaining traction with our customers. The night bag appears in the top 10 performing product categories from the collection across all regions for both new and repeat customers. The trench tote is also resonating, 
appealing to both male and female audiences and is already on reorder, showing very encouraging sales results. In recent weeks, we have seen good visibility with celebrities and KOLs wearing the night bag. We are confident this will be an important pillar for us in the category. In outerwear, our heritage rainwear continues to perform strongly with high double-digit growth across men's and women's. We celebrated our heritage rainwear with an impactful campaign earlier in the year before the new product launch. This focused approach has delivered consistently good results for the category since. Additionally, an early read on Winter 23 outwear indicates the new offer is resonating well with repeat customers, as well as attracting new customers to the brand. I mentioned last year's shoes are a key opportunity for us as we've been underpenetrated in this category. I'm delighted that in a short space of time, we now have a much more complete offer across all functions. This broader shoe offer complements our ready-to-wear collections and gives us the opportunity to offer our clients complete outfits. We also more recently partnered with Trickers, bringing together two iconic British brands. We will continue to build this category. We supported the launch of Winter 23 with a high level of investment in new products across categories. This enabled us to achieve broader distribution and higher visibility in all doors compared to only 25% for our winter collection last year. As a result, our stores look considerably more animated and the new offer complements our existing core product. While it is still early to have an in-depth read on commercial performance, early indicators are encouraging. We have a much more fashion-forward customer buying into the collection. A higher share of sales for the runway looks, a significant improvement in share of transactions with more than one product purchased, indicating that customers are buying more into the complete outfit and look. And we've built on this with Summer 24, evolving our aesthetic and codes across leather goods, shoes and ready-to-wear. In addition, our licensing business showed excellent performance in the half up 44% at constant exchange rates, driven by beauty with the successful launch of the Burberry Goddess fragrance. Looking ahead, we will focus on accelerating the visibility and desirability of our accessories business by hearing our new brand pillars and developing the offer, continuing to build the shoe offer and re-energizing softs, protecting our iconic outerwear category and reanimating rainwear completing our assortment in women's ready-to-wear, expanding underrepresented categories and evolving the core commercial offer in line with the new brand aesthetic. In terms of distribution, in the first half, we have seen sustained growth across EMEA and Asia-Pacific, supported by a gradual recovery in Chinese tourism. With respect to our retail network, I'm proud of what we have accomplished. We have continued the rollout of our store refurbishment plan and we are on track to meet our goal of more than 50% of our full price stores refurbished by year end. We have invested in several activations across our retail footprint and with wholesale partners to celebrate the launch of Winter 23. Across all stores we continue to see improvements in store productivity which grew double digit in the half. As I mentioned earlier, we also refreshed our website in line with the new brand aesthetic and improve the customer journey. EMEA and Asia performance was solid across the half, albeit with a slowdown in the second quarter. Growth was primarily driven by the rebound of tourism, with greatest contribution from Chinese customers spending particularly in Japan, Hong Kong and Macau. 
The Americas experienced softer performance in half one with similar trends across both quarters. This was driven by a slowdown in traffic and a more cautious spending by America's customers locally. Within Asia Pacific, mainland China was down 8% in Q2. However, we are pleased with the performance of the Chinese customer group, which grew 25% in the quarter. Here are a few examples of our newly refurbished stores completed over the last six months, starting with our Bond Street flagship, which reopened in July. As you can see, this elevated shopping experience effectively highlights our new product offering and key categories. This is our newly refurbished Omoto Sando store in Tokyo. We brought forward the opening to align with the launch of Winter 23. And since opening in September, we have seen a good response from customers and a considerable lift in accessories sales. And finally, here is our recently reopened Rodeo Drive flagship store in Los Angeles, which again seamlessly reflects the new brand identity and showcases our new products. For the launch of Winter 23, we also work closely with strategic wholesale partners. Here is an example from Saks in New York with a striking window takeover that ran along the Fifth Avenue storefront. Looking ahead, we will continue to deliver our store refurbishment plan covering the majority of our key doors by the end of the year, integrate Daniel's vision into our store footprint and drive productivity improvements by focusing on accessories and investing in recruiting and clienteling for top clients. And lastly, we will strengthen the performance of e-commerce with a targeted approach for key regions, categories and third-party partners. Turning to operations, we have a clear leadership across all teams, each with solid plans in place to deliver our strategic priorities. We have made significant progress across the value chain in terms of product availability, on-time delivery and material waste reuse and further strengthen our supply chain in our core categories with the acquisition of a division of our long-standing outerwear partner, Pattern. Looking ahead, we will deliver speed, quality and margin improvements across our strategic categories by leveraging our more verticalized operations, strengthening our product fulfillment operating model, adapt our operational plan to support execution, including optimizing investments, carefully reassess processes to identify improvements and cost efficiencies. Responsibility remains a cornerstone of our plan and in the last six months we have continued to embed sustainability in our operations. As you may have seen, we recently launched a partnership with leading global resale platform Vestia Collective. This allows us to offer our customers a new way to trade in their pre-loved Burberry pieces and ensure they can be enjoyed for longer. Looking ahead, we will continue advancing product sustainability initiatives. Launch Reburberry, a dedicated space and program for our customers to learn and engage with our sustainable products, packaging and circular services. Develop a robust climate transition plan to enable us to deliver our carbon targets and strengthen our focus on communities by expanding our Burberry Foundation youth programs. I will now hand over to Kate to talk you through the numbers. Thank you, Jonathan, and good morning, everyone. Before I get into the numbers, I'd just like to say how delighted I am to be here as Burberry CFO. I've been in the role for four months now, and what I've found is a company with a very clear sense of where it can win and a strong plan to get there. I share Jonathan's confidence in the strategy 
and I'm glad to have the opportunity to join the team at such a pivotal moment. And finally, I'm looking forward to getting to know you all over the coming weeks and months. So now, let me turn to the interim results. In headline terms, we had a solid performance in the half, with comparable store sales up 10% and total revenue up 7% at constant exchange rates. Adjusted operating profit was up 1% at CER, but we did see some pressure on our adjusted operating profit margin, delivering 16.6% at CER, down 110 basis points as we continued to invest in the brand. Adjusted diluted earnings per share grew 2% at CER, down 5% at reported rates. We have increased the interim dividend by 11%, based on the target of 30% of the previous full year's dividend, as stated in the Financial Year 23 annual report. Net debt to adjusted EBITDA landed at 0.9 times, within our target range, 0.5 to 1 times. We completed £200 million of the current £400 million share buyback by the end of the half and completed the programme by the end of October. We did see a slowdown of luxury demand globally towards the end of the period. This weighed on our Q2 results, with comparable sales decelerating from 18% in Q1 to 1% in Q2. Jonathan has spoken about guidance and I'll provide further detail after updating you on the first half financials. Turning to the abbreviated income statement, and, as usual, changes will be referred to at constant exchange rates, CER. Revenue came in at £1.4 billion, a 7% increase. Overall, we saw a 30 basis point increase in gross margin as inflationary pressures were absorbed by the business, along with benefits from regional and channel mix. Adjusted operating profit was £223 million, a 1% increase. The adjusted operating profit margin fell 110 basis points as the improvement in sales and gross margin was offset by investment in the business, particularly store network-related selling costs, in line with our strategy to strengthen distribution. Adjusted diluted EPS increased 2% with attributable profit impacted by a higher tax charge due to the increase in the UK tax rate, offset by reduced shares in issue following the share buyback programme. Free cash net outflow of £15 million in the half reflects the investment in our business with higher capex as we prioritise the store refurbishments. Changes to the timing of our seasonal collections impacting working capital and higher tax payments as expected. Foreign exchange is a substantial headwind in the half, taking revenue growth to 4% reported. Adjusted operating profit and adjusted EPS declined 6% and 5% respectively on a reported basis. There were no material adjusting items in the half. I shall now move on to the detailed performance for the half, starting with revenue. Comparable store sales increased 10% in the half. Space was stable in the half leading to total retail revenue growth of 10% at constant exchange rates. Wholesale revenue decreased 8% due to pressure in the US. However, our performance was slightly better than guidance. Licensing continued to see good traction, rising 44%, supported by the highly successful launch of our latest fragrance, Burberry Goddess. Total revenue was up 7% at CER and 4% on a reported basis. 
Moving on to the regions, which Jonathan referred to earlier, EMEA continued to grow double-digit for comparable store sales in Q2, increasing 10%, albeit a slowdown from Q1. The growth was supported by tourism, up 28% in Q2 versus a tough comparative base. Tourists accounted for around 50% of sales in the second quarter, in line with Q1, but below pre-pandemic levels. The EMEA customer group declined low single digit in Q2, in line with the previous quarter. Americas saw a 10% decline in comparable store sales in Q2, a slight softening from Q1, down 8%. However, the region continues to be up over 20% versus pre-pandemic levels. The Americas customer group was broadly in line with regional performance. Asia Pacific delivered 2% in the quarter, with standout performances in Japan, up 41%, and South Asia Pacific, up 22%, both supported by tourism, with South Korea softening down 7% in Q2. Within Asia Pacific, mainland China was down 8% in Q2, against a period less impacted by COVID-19 restrictions. While this was a 10% decline over two years, we saw an acceleration from the mainland Chinese customer group globally to 24% over the same period. Travel continues to be seen mainly nearshore in Asia. We remain confident in the medium and long-term prospects of each region and have refurbished a further 14 stores in the quarter, a total of 33 in the half. Turning to the profit bridge, adjusted operating profit was 1% at CER at £239 million, but down 6% at reported rates. We're pleased with gross margin, landing at 70.4% at CER, up 30 basis points from the prior year, despite a 90 basis point headwind from inflation on raw materials and labour. This was more than offset by regional and channel mix benefits, as well as lower transportation costs. Net operating expenses increased by 10% at CER due to investments in the business, in marketing, client experience and stores, as well as the impact of inflation on people costs. Currency was a headwind, as mentioned, bringing the reported adjusted operating margin to 15.9%. Turning now to the cash flow statement, free cash was a net outflow of £15 million with conversion of 38% lower than last year as we continued to invest in product and distribution. Cash generated from operating activities decreased from £289 million to £271 million. Working capital was an outflow of £154 million, impacted by the build of inventory in preparation for festive, as well as changes to the timing of our seasonal collections. Capital expenditure was £89 million, with £53 million attributed to the store network refurbishment programme. Tax was a £98 million outflow, £33 million more than the prior year due to the higher UK tax rate and one-off payments. Moving on to our net cash bridge and capital allocation, we started the year with net cash of £961 million. We invested £89 million in capex, primarily relating to stores and dividends amounted to an outflow of £167 million. We returned £200 million via a share buyback in the half, along with £1 million in stamp duty. 
and closed the period with net cash of £570 million and net debt of £887 million after £1.2 billion of IFRS 16 lease liabilities. The balance sheet remains strong, with net debt to adjusted EBITDA at 0.9 times, including lease debt. We are within our target range of 0.5 to 1 times, with the increase from last year due primarily to the final dividend and share buyback programme and CAPEX. Turning to the financial outlook, we remain confident of achieving our medium-term guidance of £4 billion in sales. We have made good progress against our strategy, seen in the positive response to our Winter 23 launch, and we're focused on realising our full potential as the modern British luxury brand. As Jonathan stated up front, the slowdown in luxury demand globally is having an impact on current trading. If the weaker demand continues, we're unlikely to achieve our previously stated revenue guidance for full year 24. In this context, adjusted operating profit would be towards the bottom end of current consensus range of £552 million to £668 million. There are no changes to our full year expectations for retail space being broadly flat, effective tax rate of around 27% and capex of around £200 million. However, wholesale is expected to be down mixed single digit for the full year below our previous expectation of broadly flat, as the channel continues to be impacted by the macroeconomic environment. Finally, currency is now expected to be a reduced headwind based on the 25th of October rates, indicating a revenue headwind of around £110 million and a profit headwind of around £60 million. Further detail can be found in the appendix. I will now hand back to Jonathan. Thank you, Kate. So to sum up, I am very pleased with what we have achieved in the first half of the year. I'm proud at the pace at which we are executing our plan. I'd like to thank our teams for all their passion, energy and hard work. We're still in the early stages of implementation and there is more work to do, but I'm encouraged by the early response. In the next 12 to 18 months, our focus will be on accelerating recruitment engagement of our new customers continuing to evolve our product, completing the assortment and aligning our commercial offer to our new brand aesthetic and identifying efficiencies that can make us faster and more agile. We are mindful of the current uncertain macroeconomic environment and its impact on short-term luxury demand, but we believe that our strategy is the right one and we will continue to invest in key growth initiatives to deliver our medium-term ambition and goals. Kate and I will now take your questions. If you would like to ask a question, you may do so by pressing star followed by one on your telephone keypad now. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. When preparing to ask your question, please ensure your phone is unmuted locally. Confirm that star followed by one to ask the question. First question comes from Thomas Chauvet with the City. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Um, thank you and good morning, uh, Kate and Jonathan. Um, three questions, please. The, the first one on LFL by category um, in, in leather goods, could you comment on, on volume versus ASP in, in Q2 and with greater volume and scale you now have plus the pricing, is that category uh, on par with the, the profitability of, of outerwear? And just maybe quickly on men's and women's ready to wear, that seems to have turned negative 
in Q2, so the non-outerwear part. Um, what do you think within Daniel Lee's aesthetics will, will, will drive a, a steep change in performance um, uh, over the next uh, year or two? Secondly, on the new store concept, can you talk about the, the performance of, of refurbished store versus non-refurbished stores, particularly in September and October where LFL seemed to have got a lot weaker, uh, but you also benefit, I guess, from, from Daniel Lee's collection in, in store. Um, and thirdly, on um, OPEX, up 10% in constant FX in the first half, I guess that's a mix of underlying cost inflation and, and, and your plan step up in, uh, in marketing and store innovation program. If we look at the bottom of the consensus range that uh, Kate uh, just mentioned, so 552 million EBIT, that would imply around 2-3% OPEX growth in the second half in constant FX, if my math is correct. Does that seem uh, sufficient to you to support the plan and, and you know, what costs will you want to maintain and, and, and to uh, eliminate in the second half given the, uh, the uh, slower global uh, demand outlook? Thank you. Yeah. Hi, hi Thomas. How are you? I'll, I'll start with um, the question on, on the bags and the, uh, and the ready-to-wear, then the store concept, and then um, Kate will come back onto the OPEX. Um, in terms of the bags and the leather goods, um, you know, please, please with the performance in Q2, um, uh, 8% growth in the half for leather goods, but women's bags also 7% growth in Q2. Uh, so we're pleased with the performance of, the, of, of actually the, the bags, both the old, older bags that we have and also uh, Daniel's new bags. Um, actually, I think the important thing to flag here, as, as I've mentioned before, we haven't. Um, we've been very mindful to to kind of quite seamlessly integrate our, our old offer in with our new offer, and that's really um, giving us a very satisfactory performance into the mix of the sales of our leather goods. So our vintage check line is still our number one line, which has now overtaken the the, the TB hardware line, which is positive. Uh, also, quite a good performance in men's bags, up 11%. And in terms of the newness. Um, we're, as I mentioned earlier in the presentation, the night bag, which is sort of what we see as our iconic uh, first Daniel uh, um, bag, um, it's in it's in the top ten of our best sellers across all of our winter all of our winter collections. So this is this is positive. Um, the the new shapes that Daniel's that we have, the night is performing well. We also have a, a trench uh, tote that initially we saw as a unisex bag, probably more focused on, on men's, but now we've seen a big uptick in sales for women's as well. Had a very strong reception to this in, in, in China, actually, and we've already placed reorders. Um, so that's very positive. And again, that really plays into, I think, our heritage. It's a trench. It fills with the outdoor, and it really blends in well with our, um, uh, with our outerwear offers as well. Just in, in, in terms of the pricing, because I, you know, I know that there's been some call-outs on that, the, the night bag uh, range, really, they're, they're, um, that's around £2,000, so it's at the, the top end of our new offer. Um, but it really is in line with um, uh, price similar to our peers' iconic line. So I think we feel we're in the right uh, positioning there. We did say that we wanted to elevate our leather goods offer, and we're really pleased with the reaction that we've had, both from our existing customers and our new customers coming in. So this has been positive. Also, the price increase has really been done by, uh, with the reason of the, the higher level of quality, uh, higher leather, higher level of leather quality, 
but also a you know, much stronger uh, focus onto detail and hardware as well. So this is positive. And then as we move on to our next um, Daniel group that we, we think is um, going to be very strong is the Shield bag. And this is priced at 1,500. That's actually in line with our Lola pricing as well. So again, we, we think that the price positioning is where it should be and we'll continue to, to monitor that. And the trench group that I mentioned that's not working well uh, is, is, is the thousand pound mark. So we, we're comfortable with the pricing. And again, we, we also have the existing offer in place there. Um, good observation on, on, on ready to wear. I think that the, the season that we've reported, and again, I've mentioned this before, our, our ready to wear offer historically, particularly in the summer, um, has been um, driven around jer the jersey categories outside of outerwear. So jersey's been you know, mainly the core driver of our business there. Uh, we feel the opportunity, as I've called out before, we feel we've got a lot of opportunity in categories outside of that. So dresses is the, is the biggest call out, I would say. Other ready-to-wear categories as well uh, going through men's. And we've seen um, a good level of interest in that as well. So we've, we think as we go into next year and we get more of Daniel's products into the, into the stores, starting from actually our pre-collections um, which is obviously more of that. It's, a, it's about 70% of our seasonal buys come into the pre-collections, and this really leans into the other um, ready-to-wear categories there. So we'll see that mix, and I, I'm sure we'll see the mix of sales uh, adjust and adapt to that um, as, as we go through. So this is, this is positive. Um, on, on the stores, as far as the stores are concerned, um, we're really, um, uh, I would say one thing to call out here is that we've actually refurbished 33 stores in the half, uh, which is a, a big achievement for the teams. Um, so more than one a week. And actually, a lot of these are big stores for us. So we've done uh, uh, Los Angeles, we've done Dallas, uh, Houston, uh, Amata Sando in, um, in Tokyo, uh, and, and of course, um, uh, um, Bond Street as well, which we're, we're very excited about. The performance, as we've mentioned before, in terms of the performances of those stores, we're seeing a, a higher level of productivity coming from both the AUR and also the average transaction uh, value. So, and this is a mid-teens uplift, uplift versus uh, stores in the same regions uh, in, in the same areas as well. So, again, we're, we're positive and we're really pleased with uh, the fact that um, we've been able to, a couple of these stores, Amotisando being one of them, we actually uh, we accelerate. We thought we wanted to open this uh, before we launched with the new product, and it was a great decision because we've been really pleased with the performance of that. And actually, we've seen a really good, strong performance coming from the accessory categories uh, in this store as well. So, I think those are the main points to call out there. And then just moving on to the third question on, on cost. Hi, Thomas. Um, so in the first half, you can see that, that we really have continued to invest in the business with OPEX up 10%. And I think, you know, fair to say on the second half, whilst, you know, the external environment is more challenging, we're absolutely committed to protecting the consumer facing areas such as marketing. Um, I mean, I think your, your calculations are broadly correct. Um, the absolute level of spend will be slightly higher, H2 versus H1, but I think fair to say the year-on-year -year growth will be um, low single digit, but as I say, very much um, protecting the key spend. Thank you. We now turn to Chiara Battistini with JP Morgan. Your line is open. Please go ahead. 
Hello, good morning. Thank you so much for taking my questions. Um, I have, I think, one for Kate and one for Jonathan, actually. Uh, so the first one, on uh, your updated guidance uh, for the year, I was wondering whether you could share with us what kind of retail like for like assumptions you have embedded in that comment um, about the EBIT uh, coming towards the bottom end of consensus. And uh, following up on Thomas' question as well on OPEX, uh, in case the like for like, uh, the retail like for like keeps on slowing more than uh, your initial assumptions, what would be the priority saving, continuing to work on your repositioning and supporting elevation or protecting margins to some extent? And the second question on uh, um, the consumer you're seeing coming for Daniel Lee's product, uh, I was wondering if you could give us a bit more color on uh, um, what kind of consumer you're seeing, if it's your existing consumer, your, a new consumer that is coming specifically because of Daniel Lee, and any further color on, uh, on uh, the customer after Daniel Lee's product specifically, please. Thank you. Thank you, Chiara. Well, I'll start with the first question. Um, I mean, look, you know, I'm not going to guide on revenue for the second half, but we have guided on profit. Um, we've said that we expect operating profit to be, to be towards the low end of the range. So I think it's probably, you know, worth noting that, that you know, moving towards the bottom end of the range on revenue would probably be a good starting point. Um, also worth noting from a gross margin perspective, still expecting that to be similar to the prior year at constant exchange rates. So obviously you'll note that there is a 110 basis points uh, headwind from currency. So I, so I think with that, you can probably, um, you know, work it out. I think, you know, all I would say is that, that you know, throughout the throughout Q2, in line with what our peers have been saying, you know, we did see a deterioration. I think it was really September where we particularly noticed um, the, the global slowdown. And I think, as indicated by our guidance, fair to say those trends have, have continued into the quarter. In terms of OPEX, um, I think, you know, as you'd expect me to say, we're going to be, you know, obviously being very vigilant on sales performance. Um, and likewise, um, you know, we'll be very focused on cost. 20% of our cost base is obviously variable, so that will move with sales. Um, and then, you know, where possible, as everyone else is saying the same thing, we will um, absolutely be focused on discretionary spend. But as per the first question, I think it's important to note that we will continue to spend where matters. Those are the consumer facing areas. You know, we've talked in the past about marketing spend being high single digit percentage of sales and uh, and we will continue um, to support that. Um, just on, on the customer, uh, I mean, I think, first of all, we have um, a very important um, existing client base, which we uh, you know, we obviously we, we did before the collections launch, we did a number of um, trunk shows globally uh, and um, had a great response to those. Actually, we had a, a much stronger pickup than we expected there. So they're really engaging, very excited with, with the newness and what they're seeing. And I think, I think that, you know, just calling on that, this is one of the things that I've mentioned before. You know, our, our, our great, amazing store teams, they're really excited about having a lot more to talk about as we go into these new categories across Ready to Wear, for example, new bags, um, Daniel being known to be a strong accessories designer as well. The, the sales teams have been able to really engage with our existing client base and bring them in. And, and we've seen, for example, in terms of our new bags uh, that have come in, we've seen a big pickup from our 
existing customer base on that, and, and, and so this is really pleasing. Uh, we've also seen a higher level of um, in, the increase in number of transactions of customers buying greater than one product, both in men's and women's, which is fantastic. We've seen a higher share of cross-selling uh, of ready-to-wear across bags and shoes, which is, again, very positive. Uh, and people very much, as I highlighted um, in, in, in the store presentation that we did in September, I think people are really seeing that they can easy, easily now buy in more to the to the looks as well. And then in terms of new customers, you know, clearly this will take time. Uh, I'd like to, you know, really um, highlight that we've only been live um, for for six weeks now. Um, it's very early days, but we've also seen some really uh, encouraging indicators on that, and we've definitely seen some new customers coming to them. And particularly, I have to call out in Asia across Asia. Um, Hong Kong included, China. Uh, we've seen, you know, a, 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 there's a strong awareness of Daniel and his talent and, and what we're doing, actually, uh, and a positive response to that. And I'd say one call out there that we're seeing, we've seen um, very early days as well, so I don't want to play too much on it, but we've definitely seen an increased performance in shoes and bags uh, in China, um, which, is, which is, again, a good sign and a, and a strong awareness of what we're doing. And then lastly on that, um, the events that we've done globally, uh, which we've been really excited about, we decided to focus on that and have, um, have a real push on um, doing big events, sort of city takeovers to have a higher level of impact. Um, we've had 100,000 visitors across 30 days to the pop-up that we did in, in Seoul, in Songsu, in Seoul. So really, really big improve, um, uh, big performance there. All the spaces were booked within a few days. Um, I actually had the pleasure of going to that event and um, there were crowds and the streets were actually blocked off um, to see, uh, one, the influencers that we brought in, but uh, to get a glimpse of Daniel as well. So this shows that we've got um, you know, a bit of a style factor there as well, which I think is, uh, which is really impressive. And then just lastly, on to, on, well, two, two things to also flag in terms of, um, of China. We did an event uh, two weeks ago in China and we saw a big spike in terms of searches for Burberry uh, on, on WeChat, both Burberry and Daniel Lee on there. So, again, it showed that we did the right thing at the right timing. And it's great that we've done this and ramped up that activity as we've gone live. And then lastly, I'm sure you've seen, we did an event in New York uh, last week. Um, and, again, I'm really pleased with the, the outcome there. We had a, a lot of press coverage there. It was great to also focus on the Americas. We had a great turnout. Um, Missy Elliott, um, Maggie Gillinghall, we had uh, and um, and Carly Kloss. So we had a really great turnout. Everybody wearing Burberry. And again, that bar is open for a few days, a few more days as well. And um, really encouraged by the results that we're seeing there. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from Louise Singlehurst with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, morning everyone. Morning, Jonathan and Kate. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, just two, if I could be brief. Just going back onto the um, firstly onto the guidance. So what we're all trying to do is probably um, unpick the message with regards to the macro messaging and uh, and the brand specific. And you've given us lots of uh, anecdotal points this morning in terms of the improvement in the underlying brand momentum, in terms of searches and the new content. But I just wonder if you can help us think a little bit behind, um, you know, the macro. 
around the fringes, I would argue that the commentary from some of the peers and some of the local US names has got a little bit more encouraging. Again, I do definitely say around the fringes and there's a lot of uncertainty. But if we look at the commentary in the last kind of two or three weeks, it's probably a little bit more favorable than what we thought maybe five or six weeks ago. So on that question, I wondered if there's anything specific by region that you've seen that stand out or if there's anything in this brand uh, repositioning that you're seeing that's behind initial expectations. And then my second question was specifically on China, please. That you mentioned it was down 8% in Q2. The cluster is up 25% in Q2. I presume that's a year-on-year -year number. I think in Q1 you gave um, a data point that it was up mid-teens in China on the cluster, but on a two-year stack. I wondered if we could have the comparable number for Q2 as well on a two-year stack. Thank you. Thanks, Louise. Um, I'll kick that one off. I mean, look, as you rightly um, highlighted, um, along with our peers, we did begin to see a slowdown. It was particularly in September. You know, I think every brand's trying to contend um, with this uh, at the moment. I think it, you know, it's really important that we do decouple, if you like, the macro piece and you know, kind of confidence, if you like, in our in our own um, strategy. But I think commenting specifically um, on the regions, I think, you know, it, the interesting thing about the current backdrop is that it is a little bit everywhere. You know, I think often, uh, you know, you'll have a scenario where certain areas are doing well, um, others less so. Whereas I think this time round, the consumer has been, you know, a little weaker, particularly since September everywhere. However, as you rightly, are you rightly point to, you know, things are volatile. And whilst I'm, I'm not going to comment um, on current trading, but yes, things are varying week by week. Um, I think fair to say the Americas, I mean, they were soft in Q1. We saw similar softness and declines um, in Q2 and, you know, Q3. Again, I'm not going to comment on, on current trading, but, you know, there have been both some weeks more positive, some weeks more, more negative. And I think I'd say similar things um, for the other regions as well. Um, in terms of China specifically, if I look, um, so if you're looking at last last year, so two years ago, the, the, the cluster, or if you like the Chinese nationality, it was 15% in Q1. And then we saw that accelerate to Q2, where it was plus 24. Um, uh, whereas versus last year, obviously, you had the big COVID impact in there. So Q1 nationality was very strong at plus 78, and then Q2 was plus 25. Thank you. And can I just check with, with uh, I suppose it's a question for Jonathan, that there's nothing uh, in terms of the brand, like the repositioning and, and um, the agenda that's uh, to call out that's above, uh, ahead or behind uh, in initial expectations from earlier in the year. Thank you. Hi, Louise. No, I mean, I mean clearly, the, you know, it's a, we're in a, in a in a challenging situation in terms of the macro. We've really only launched Daniel Daniel's product in September, so so these this performance is is absolutely nothing to do with that. We've been really pleased with the um, the response to the collections. Obviously, you know, we're now live. I think the positive thing is that we are now live. We're now live with Daniel's products. This this gives us a lot more visibility on what's what's working and what's not working and we're very mindful about that and we will adapt and adjust to that but but overall no it, i think this is really uh, down to the to the macro thank you our next question comes from antoine Belge with bmp paribas your line is open please go ahead 
Yes, um, good morning, it's uh, Antoine Bell at uh, BNP. Um, three questions, if I may, and I'd like to pick up on what you said about um, uh, you know, the Chinese cluster, and, and especially the year-on-year, uh, you said uh, went from 78 to 25%, so that, that's uh, uh, roughly um, 55% delta on something which is maybe around 20, 25%. So that maybe explain, I don't know, 10 to 12 points of deceleration between the 18 uh, comp and, and the 1%. Um, so is it, sorry, it, it means that uh, outside of the Chinese, there's been um, quite a substantial um, sequential slowdown. I, I don't really see it that much in the American uh, cluster. So is it uh, the European, but also, uh, I would say, the, in Asia, the, the, the local consumer as opposed to the, to the Chinese traveler? Um, my second question is on the uh, on the implied guidance. So, if, if we move to the lower end of the of the top line um, you know, consensus uh, range, which I think is around 3.1 billion, that would imply a sort of flattish uh, year-on-year growth in H2. And uh, at the moment, it seems that uh, even though you don't want to comment, the uh, the trends are negative or have been negative in September and October. So. Uh, to get to a more flattish number, is it because you expect that the annually uh, product offering will um, will actually uh, have a bit more weight as we move towards um, um, uh, the month of March of next year? Uh, and finally, um, my third um, um, third question is about uh, um, you know the, the your sort of pricing, your view on pricing in in, in the next uh, you know six to twelve months. Thank you. Thank you. Well, perhaps I'll, I'll take the first couple and then uh, Jonathan comment on on pricing. So, uh, look, I, I mean, I think on, on the Chinese point, um, what we have seen is, is very much uh, spend shifting offshore, as you'd expect, um, with tourism picking up there. You know, although although that tends to be when I say shifting offshore, nearshore travel. So you can really see that coming through. If you look at the numbers that we've given for Japan, very strong also seen, you know, really strong numbers in Hong Kong and Macau. So I think the way to look at China, you know, you're right, the region, the region is down. So Q2 minus eight. Um, but in terms of the nationalities, we, you know, as you'd expect, we're looking at really on a, on a kind of two year view, because I think, you know, you quoted Q1 to Q2 this year, but Q1 very much distorted um, by, by COVID. But on a two year view, we have seen an acceleration Q1 into Q2. So that's 15 um, to 24. So, um, you know, broadly, as we would have expected um, there, you talked about um, America. I mean, I think you're right. The comps are broadly consistent over the last three quarters. Um, you know, the three quarters, similar kind of mid to mid to high single digit uh, negative. In terms of the implied guidance, um, so, yeah, you're right. I have said I'm, I'm not going to guide on revenue today. But, yes, your assumption of the low end of the revenue age, as I said earlier in the call, is certainly um, a, a good starting point. On the trends, uh, look, we have called out September being the weakest month in the quarter. So we certainly saw a deterioration through Q- Q2, very similar to what others have been uh, saying. I think today in the statement we said that trading deteriorated. So I think, you know, it's probably a fair assumption um, what you said about the second half. I'm not going to guide, obviously, on the second half. It is too early to do so. We're six weeks in. 
um, you know, remaining cautious on the macro. But what I would say is that, you know, we are just launching into festive. Um, our campaign launched on the 1st of November. Uh, we're really excited about the new gifting proposition. We've got a great campaign behind it. You know, we've got more new product coming into the store every week, clearly building uh, Daniel's product, which had you know no impact at all um, in Q2. Uh, spring pre-coal coming into the stores as well. So I think, you know, if, again, if we kind of decouple the two things, we've got reasons to be positive, um, certainly on what we're doing, um, notwithstanding the, the macro piece, which is why we're being a little more cautious on the second half. Yeah, and in, in, in terms of the pricing, uh, you know, our pricing strategy is something that we, um, you know, we highlighted previously. Uh, we feel that there's a, a, an opportunity for us to elevate. Our previous pricing structure was skewed quite disproportionately to the lower price brackets versus our peers. Um, so I think this is also a, a positive for us, and we, we continue to really focus on our entry price and our volume categories that we have. Um, we, we are also adjusting our pricing to... To, to really reflect the, the increase in quality. So one example in terms of our core product offer that we have, um, we've, we've really increased the quality there, the quality of the fabrics, um, but still those, those, those prices, I think, are more than in line in terms of entry price uh, than, than where they should be. So I think this is, this is really important. We raised our rainwear uh, recently, mid-single digits. Um, this was to, to coincide with the renewed offer that we have in terms of a higher level of quality, more sustainability in terms of fabrics. So this was positive. And again, you've seen um, you know, very strong performance in our rainwear categories as we continue to focus on that. The new products on the stores, in the stores at the moment, the newness, the new collections, this was, as I've mentioned before, this was a runway collection. These are typically their more elevated, uh, high level of design, skews much more towards the higher AUR categories, especially in leather goods and outerwear. Um, now, uh, as we enter into to December, our pre-collections launch. So this is focused on uh, on what we would develop more of the core offer of the business. So uh, a lot more focused on on price positioning there. This comes through in December and onwards. We've also, and I'm really excited about this, and um, and actually our, our our wholesale clients have been as well. We're now re-energising our core offer as well um, with a, a a new twist to it. So I think first of all, this will give us a freshness to our old core offer, um, a, a better level of animation, higher level of quality, more sustainable fabrics, but again, in, in good price positioning as well and good, and good sweet spots there. In terms of the leather goods, uh, again, um, our, our, our iconic night bag, that we, it, it's priced over, it's just over £2,000, the similar level, level to our peers' iconic uh, uh, leather goods lines, um, but more importantly, we also have groups um, at the same levels of our old existing groups. So our shield group, for example, is around 1,500. This is the same as the Lola as well. So, so we, we, we're comfortable with our entry, with our price, pricing strategy. We're comfortable with the elevation. Uh, we, we, we think it's the right thing to do in terms of increasing quality. Um, and, and, and obviously, it's something that we continue to monitor uh, as we go through this, uh, this project. Thank you. Maybe just a quick follow-up. So, uh, with regards to the European uh, cluster, um, is it possible to um, give us the, the trend in the quarter and remind us what it was the, the previous quarter? Thank you. Yeah, of course. So, so in EMEA, 
So in the region, Q1 was plus 17, Q2 plus 10. So in terms of locals, they were down single digit in Q1 and Q2. Um, tourists were up double digit in both Q1 and Q2. And in terms of the absolute kind of tourist level, again, very similar in Q1 and Q2. Thank you. Our next question comes from Rogerio Fujimori with Steve Hall. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, uh, Jonathan and, and Kate. So, Jonathan, one of your strategy pillars is to attract more, more elite customers and sell more bags above the, the 2,000 threshold, I think, to narrow the gap versus peers over time. So I think consensus and the market think it will be very difficult for luxury brands to drive mix up next year and for Burberry to elevate the brand. So could, could you talk a little bit about how could you can leverage the breadth of the protocol for two? To, to manage um, uh, and, and keep uh, keep uh, keep driving, I think, brand elevation in the current environment. Uh, and then in America, I think the, the traffic is weak, but I think you flag, um, I think, um, more recruitment of higher income female customers and new customers. So could you talk a little bit about, uh, yeah, I think the, the trends between new and existing customers in the U.S. And do you see any signs of repatriation of American cluster purchases from Europe back to the U.S. towards the end of kitchen. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so, so I think, um, Ruggiero, your first question was on, on, on pricing and our, on our ability to adapt to that. Is that correct? Hi, John. It, it was more about the ability of Burberry keeping driving oh. brand elevation in the, in the current trade environment. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So, yeah, a, a good question. Um, you know, we, we're, you know, we, 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 we. Um, again, the, the most important thing to highlight here is over 50% of our offer currently in our stores is uh, our core offer and our replenishment offer. So we haven't actually we haven't delisted any of our core core products. So, so I think this is a real positive and it's strength that we have. We're very proud of the, the core offer that we have and we'll continue to. To build on that, we definitely feel that there is an opportunity for us to recruit a luxury, a, a higher level of luxury customer into the brand, especially through accessories. That you know, historically, it's still a, a big opportunity for us is to grow into our accessories categories. So we feel that um, this can be done through uh, both um, uh, a high level of focus to it from a design perspective, a high level of of, of quality of product something that will align itself to our key iconic categories that we have at the moment, like our trenches, for example. So we, 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 we're pleased that we can uh, further develop on that. We've definitely seen, you know, one of the positives is that we've seen um, an increase in, in um, recruitment of our top level elite customer base. We've seen a high level of performance coming through and spending from them um, across all regions, actually, even, even in the US, which is positive. So they're reacting and engaging with the uh, with the new collections in, in, a, in a good way. Um, so I think this will um, also help us um, really transition into the new aesthetic. I think your second question was more the, the Americas cluster was mid to high single digit down in both Q1 and Q2. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of how the customers are behaving, the new and repeat 
um, customers are performing fairly fairly similarly actually um, and tourists I think tourists are up about five percent in q2 in the US in, in the US we've seen um, yeah more traction towards female clients uh, a continuing shift um, towards with the more affluent customers again with the top um, clients outperforming and and as we reported in the last quarter a little bit more uh, challenging on the entry price categories that we have and I think on your repatriation point you know we're certainly still seeing American shopping in Europe um, but obviously we're comping quite a tough base there because we saw a, an increase in spend um, given the currency benefit thank you our next question comes from Charles Scotty with Kepler Chevrolet your line is open please go ahead Hello, uh, thank you for taking my questions. I have three. Um, the first one on, uh, on current trading, uh, I'm not going to ask you uh, to comment on October and November, but uh, could you uh, comment on the exit rate uh, for your comparable store sales growth? It was plus 1% in Q2. So uh, is it fair to assume uh, September was negative, maybe in the high digit range? Um, secondly, on wholesale, um, H1 was a, a touch better than anticipated, but you uh, don't credit your full year guidance. Uh, how shall we read this? Uh, is it due to uh, the general weaker environment, or was the reception of Daniel Lee uh, new collections uh, with uh, key accounts uh, less uh, positive than, uh, than anticipated? And uh, thirdly, um, if I'm not mistaken, the, the UK government will review its decision on VAT-free shopping uh, next Wednesday. Um, do you have any insights on whether or not they will reinstate it? And uh, have you already quantified how much this decision dragged on your sales performance just to help us you know, um, assess what could be the positive impact for the outcome is, is positive for you next week? Thank you. Okay, Kate will take the first question and I'll come on to the wholesale and the VAT. Okay, perfect. Um, well, that's kind of reasonably easy because I think current trading, I'm, I'm not going to obviously break out month by month in Q2 um, how we were trading. But, but yeah, absolutely, you're right. The exit rate that that was, you know, September um, was certainly the weakest month in the quarter. And we see um, no different, you know, in the statement we said trading deteriorated in the quarter. Um, so I think yours is a, is a fair assumption. Yeah, and, ju and just on the wholesale, you know, we, we, we think it's, it's clearly uh, related to um, the, the challenges that we have in terms of the macro is affecting our wholesale clients in the same way. Um, we expect the full year to be down um, mid-single digit. This was really um, coming in uh, primarily from the collections that we had in September. So when we spoke to you in July, we launched our pre-collections and uh, the response was quite positive as businesses softened. Uh, for us and our wholesale clients, we've, we, we definitely saw a change in sentiment there coming through there. Um, they've welcomed the Spring 24 collection. I think this is um, definitely uh, a positive. Um, I mentioned earlier about the new core that we've, um, we've now launched to the market. Really positive response to that. Um, and obviously, at the moment, when things are challenging more on the macro, they, our wholesale clients typically take a more cautious approach um, to, 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 to new products and new offer. So it's very much probably leans more into a wait and see than something that's a little bit more aggressive, and, and we understand that. Um, it's uh, mainly in, in the U.S. that we're seeing the biggest impact, the, the, the big partners, the big uh, department stores that we have in, 
in the US, but they're still very positive about what we're doing, the journey that we're going on. They're seeing uh, positive changes, particularly in the accessories areas as well. So we think we're setting ourselves up well for, for the future going on there. And, and we're really supporting with them and working with them to, to manage that. Um, in terms of uh, the VAT, uh, as we've stated before, we're, you know, we're disappointed with the UK government's decision not to reinstate uh, VAT, uh, the VAT retail export scheme. Um, there's continuing lobbying from this, not just from us, but from the industry in general. Uh, we think it's a missed opportunity, uh, particularly in this environment, um, and clearly impacting um, you know, customers' spend and how they spend it, where they spend it globally. We've seen um, a good uplift um, in terms of tourist spend in Europe um, from European customers, from Middle Eastern customers, from Americans, um, that swing much more towards spending in Europe versus, uh, versus the UK. And obviously, us being a British brand, we've invested in two new incredible flagships in the UK, and, and um, you know, it's a pity that, uh, that customers are choosing to spend um, that money in Paris versus in our great stores in London as well. But um, you know, fortunately, we are a global business, so we can, we, we can manage that. But definitely, um, it's something that we hope will get corrected in the, in the midterm. Thank you very much. I'll turn to Thierry Cotter with Society General. The line is open. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning, Adrasa and Kate. Um, I would have three follow-up questions on comments you've made. Uh, first, you've said you are very pleased with the reception of Daniel's products. I was wondering, since the, the runway collection was launched early September, uh, how large has been the outperformance gap versus the group average since then? Uh, I mean, how better the sales trend has been versus uh, the rest of the offering? Um, secondly, you have said um, several times that the uh, better quality of the products justify the higher prices. So I was wondering whether there was an exact matching or whether we could have some hopes for gross margin going forward uh, in the coming years. And then lastly, uh, on store productivity, you highlighted, uh, you repeated actually comments you've made in the past about a mid-teens productivity boost, boost post uh, reopening of refurbished stores. I was wondering, um, compared to the 25,000 pound sales per square meter you're targeting in the medium term, where did you stand uh, in each one overall and particularly in the reopened stores? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no, no just on Daniel's collections, again, very early days to, to the, we're, we're six weeks in. You know, I would say there's, there's really nothing to call out between uh, the performance of Daniel's products versus uh, the, the current offer that we have. Um, all I can say is that re the reactions have been um, in line with our expectations. Customers are positive. They're seeing the change. You know, for me, the biggest call out is the fact that our stores look a lot more animated now. Um, and, and clearly at this stage, and again, early days, but at this stage, um, it's clear to me that as we go into um, you know, future seasons, people will be able to buy across categories through our retail network more than they have done before. So this will improve on our, on our units per transaction. And I think it will just also improve in the overall shopping experience through, through the network. And yeah, we've also continued to, in terms of, um, you know, I think one of the bigger call outs here in terms of, um, of Daniel's, let's call it new product, what's actually been quite seamless are two um, iconic 
categories and strengths that we, we have, as you know very well, are rainware. Um, and we've seen how this has really seamlessly been integrated into the offer. And we've had not only a big improvement in terms of our heritage rainware offer, but also uh, Daniel's newness and Daniel's new shapes that he's having here. We've had a great response to those as well and a, and a good positive performance there. And again, just blending in, it's not been kind of a, you know, to me, it's not been um, an old and a new. It's something that actually I think we've integrated into the business very well. And, and again, as we go into the festive season and the winter season here, um, we've also seen the same thing with scarves. And Daniel believes that this is something that um, we can really continue to, to elevate there. In terms of the pricing, um, uh, just as a, an example there of what we have done in terms of the pricing, we, we wanted to not only increase the quality of the fabric, but move into more of a, um, a, a more level of um, sustainable fabrics, so organic cottons more. So we, we've actually refreshed this through our, our core offer of shirts, for example, men's shirts, um, and increased the price accordingly. But th these shirts, just to highlight, they're still under £500, so it's still in a nice, good, sweet spot for us, um, in line with our peers. Um, so not, not, not a huge increase and something that we think will impact the volumes that we're having. Um, and then lastly, in terms of productivity, really pleased with um, the fact that by the end of this year, um, uh, around about 50% of our network will be fully refurbished. And of this 50%, you know, these are really now the key doors. So yeah, um, I think this is a real positive, so we can really focus on that. Um, and I think this will help us um, uh, increase our productivity, productivity further, uh, the offer will be better, uh, and, and we're still very much um, uh, feel that we're on track towards uh, to achieve that uh, productivity goal of 25,000 a square metre as we communicated, so um, very much on track as far as that's concerned. Okay, thank you. Our next question comes from Lucas Salter with Bernstein. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Yes. Uh, good morning, uh, Jonathan and Kate. Uh, maybe uh, one question uh, about uh, the wholesale exposure and uh, the inventory overhang risk that you see and how you are planning to manage this inventory overhang. We know that US department stores tend to discount uh, very aggressively if they're caught up with excessive inventory. This could be damaging to the brand, especially uh, as you are trying to elevate uh, the perceived brand image of Burberry uh, being subject to significant discounts uh, would be uh, very damaging indeed. Uh, I wonder how you're thinking about that, what you have organized in order to take care of this risk uh, if you're planning to take inventory back and convey it through your factory outlets, and what is the role of factory outlets today uh, in the business as they convey a very significantly cheaper product and could potentially also contribute to cheapening uh, the Burberry brand image? Uh, as a second question, uh, looking at the newness that Daniel has been bringing uh, to the brand, uh, there's a very significant uh, fashion element, at least in what we perceive, uh, which comes uh, particularly obvious in, uh, in the fashion and in the apparel uh, collection. Uh, I wonder how you balance uh, the brand nature as you have, I think, a heritage element and a fashion element that need to be combined. 
and uh, how you're faring in this market where consumers seem to be uh, asking for uh, sophistication uh, on top of uh, fashionability and uh, where quiet luxury seems to be rampant. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, thank you, Luca, and, 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 and good observation, I think, in terms of the wholesale exposure. Um, I, I, I think what we're doing here, and, and, and the, you know, this is part of the reason why we've seen, you know, I, I guess, a lower wholesale order take um, in, in the recent seasons, uh, to lower than, than, so lower guidance there, is because we're helping and we're supporting our wholesale partners managing their existing, um, their existing build-up that they've had, particularly on the core offer, so this has been kind of, I would say, a, a correction that we're working with them on. And yes, some of them we do support. You know, they're, they're strong partners for us. They're good partners for us. We will work with them um, and support them where we are. I have to say, in terms of, of those wholesale clients, most of the offer that they have currently has been clearly, it's been, uh, it's been with our core offer. So it is something that we think we can manage quite well rather than something that we can pump through the outlet. It's just really uh, a, a correction. But where, where they need a bit of help, with our with our with our our key partners, we will help and support them. Um, in terms of the outlets, obviously the outlets still for us at the moment are an important channel for us in terms of um, of, of of liquidating the old product. We're also managing that um, channel as best we can. Um, so I think it's still an important channel for us. Um, but very much at the moment, clearly with the strategy that we have in place, we're really really focusing on driving the uh, the full price business and the, and, and the top full, the, the, that business, that side of things. But at the moment, we will use outlets to discontinue products. And I would like to sort of on that note, um, we, we don't have a, an issue, I, I believe, in terms of high seasonal uh, fashion product from the old collections. So you know, it's not something that you know, we're going to be needing to, to really dump heavily seasonal products into the outlet network in, in the coming months. So I think this is a, a positive uh, and credit to the business that have been able to manage our inventories quite well in this respect. Um, good call out on newness and fashion. Uh, I, I think we, we, we agree with you on that. Obviously, again, picking up on this, this what, what you have seen. I know um, I've, I've, I've seen your comments and your observations, um, uh, but what you have seen is, um, is a show collection uh, so, um, and, and this needed to be strong, as I've mentioned before. Um, credit to, to Daniel and the teams. They, they launched this collection within four months of Daniel joining. It had a high impact, um, drew a lot of attention. Very pleased with the responses to that. Uh, but yes, it is, um, you know, it, is, it is a fashionable show collection. As we now go into the new offer that you'll see coming through in the coming months, starting from December, um, you know, a, a much more... Um, balanced offer, really focusing on that. We've got um, a very strong focus on that from our merchandising team, from myself as well. Very aware of the opportunity in terms of Burberry playing on. Um, you know, to me, actually, um, you know, as we go through this, this timeless um, element to Burberry is something that we can really uh, play on. I, I called out earlier the, uh, the rainwear category. If you look at Daniel's rainwear, it's not high fashion. Uh, is actually very elegant, very um, timeless as well. And I think this will become for us some new core product there. The same with the softs. And again, talking about, um, the, 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 I, I would say then we go into the leather goods, you know, really, again, playing more into probably more into the quiet luxury space in terms of style and aesthetic than, than maybe we were before. So, so very aware. And, um, and I think you'll see as we go into um, 
pushing more of the new uh, Daniel product or the new Burberry product into the network in the coming months, you'll see also this new core coming through as well uh, in a more dynamic way, including um, uh, uh, a, a clear focus on price positioning as well as we update the core. Thank you very much, Jonathan. We now turn to Peral Dadhania with RBC. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Um, I have two, please. The first one is just on the um, offer size. So following up on, on Luca's question, um, if our analysis is correct, we think you've increased the ready-to-wear SKU count by around 50% in the last um, three or four years. So going into a slightly more challenging macro environment, um, is there any concern from your end that you might have a higher markdown uh, risk if the product doesn't sell through because, you know, the, the demand trends are a bit weaker? How do you manage that bigger store, uh, SKU count, the, the range expanding as much as it has uh, to support the new aesthetic? That was our first question. And just maybe as a follow-up to that, what's the mix today of carryover versus seasonal um, now that you've got the new Daniel Lee autumn winter product in store. And then my second question was just around the, 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 the current trading guidance comments and the fact that there is a macro slowdown in, in luxury consumption. Um, obviously the offset to that from your perspective is the, is the new, is the turnaround, the, the, the Daniel Lee product, et cetera. So if we think about the macro slowdown that you're attributing to the softness, how should we think about that from the perspective of footfall versus conversion? You know, which one is a bigger factor in your slightly more cautious outlook? Because we would expect there to be a bit of an uptick in the, in the footfall coming into stores to look at the new products. I just wanted to understand how consumers are behaving and what kind of um, observations you're seeing on that front. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, so just in terms of the, the current offer and, and the SKU count, obviously, as we're now going into a, into a new world with new product, we, we wanted to invest and back uh, you know Daniel's product, put that through, make a, make a statement. So so we definitely have done that. At the same time, and I think this is again um, really pleased that we did this. We really felt it was important as we go through uh, this transformation to protect our existing core business that we have as well. So 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 for this particular autumn season, um, we front loaded our, our autumn collections. Um, typically, we would normally split our buys to be 50% uh, show collection and 50% um, autumn collections. But actually, um, in terms of, uh, uh, of newness, we increased the newness from Daniel's product. But in terms of core products, we pushed that forward into the autumn season um, uh, because you know, we clearly wanted to protect our existing offer that we have now. So, so this is why you're probably seeing an overlay of SKUs there. As we go through this, we'll start to reduce that down. Um, and, and, and clearly, as we've stated before, for us, the opportunity is to grow a, a much bigger share of our business towards the accessories categories, into bags, into shoes. Shoes, as we, as I've mentioned before, is a is a is a, is a smaller share of our business compared to our peers. Really pleased with what we've what we've done there and what we've built there. This will take time, to be honest. We're not seen to be at the moment uh, the a, a go-to shoe brand, but I, I'm very confident that we will be. In, in the coming season, so I think this is positive. Um, and then in terms of the mix of the offer, um, we still, as I mentioned earlier, and this is a great strength for Burberry, 50% um, of our mix of offer is, is carryover and replenishment 
and the and the 50% in, in is in newness and what we're looking at now is refreshing the newness making that feel more compelling more relevant to the luxury customer so but at the same time um, I, I don't believe it's overweight um, in terms of the um, you know the current macro environment and the trading clearly the, the the challenge here is conversion for us it's conversion that will be something that all of our teams are focusing on um, because if the traffic you know, at the moment obviously clearly traffic is down um, for us and for our peers so it means that we have to drive a higher level of conversion through the network um, and that's really what we're focusing on and I think playing into this new uh, more dynamic offer that we have in our stores where um, you know, and again for me and genuinely believe this and, and I know probably hopefully a lot of you have observed this when you're looking through our stores now you know you can really see a clearer offer that's not just leaning too much into you know our strengths which we'll continue to build on of, of, of outerwear for example and softs and we really now have you know a much more fuller offer to, to enable us to have a high, high level of conversion um, in, in the midterm. Thank you, Jonathan. We now turn to Susanna Puz with UBS. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. Uh, I've got uh, two very quick ones and a follow-up. So uh, maybe first of all on the um, various consumer clusters, thank you so much for, for sharing all of the details. Um, I just wanted to follow up, given that the Chinese consumer has slightly accelerated on a two-year stack. Uh, and it sounds from your comments that both Americans and European locals were pretty much unchanged versus uh, sort of Q1. Uh, would you mind explaining which consumer clusters would have decelerated the most in Q2 versus Q1? Just so that sort of, you know, we, we get the idea of, of where the most of the deceleration came from. Uh, secondly, a very quick question on, on uh, e-commerce business. It's been a theme throughout this earning season from the companies that e-commerce has been a bit of a drag on uh, retail, given that it tends to be a bit more exposed to the aspirational consumer, uh, and there's been general return to stores. So I was wondering if you could share with us how much of a drag e-commerce may have been on your like-for-like like this quarter versus prior quarter. Uh, and the third question, which is sort of a follow-up, I think, Jonathan, uh, you mentioned earlier uh, that your fixed cost base was roughly 80% of your cost. Can I just double check if, if that's sort of, you know, uh, correct? Is it 80? And I'm asking because it seemed a little bit higher than I would have expected versus peers. So uh, I just wanted to double check if that's the number and maybe if that's the case because you've just been cutting uh, quite efficiently costs over the past years. Thank you. Okay. So I'll um, kick off with the with the regional one. I mean, you can see in terms of quarter on quarter, obviously the EMEA region, you can see Q1 plus 17, you know, Q2 plus 10. Um, so clearly we have seen a bit of a bit of a slowdown there. I think also, you know, worth mentioning South Korea as well. Uh, we did have a negative comp there in Q2. Um, and as I say, the macro impacting everywhere um, as per previous commentary. America, slight slowdown from Q1 to Q2. Um, although broadly, um, broadly consistent. And, um, and you're right in terms of overall uh, China cluster, actually on a two-year view and acceleration there. So I think I'd, I'd probably, um, you know, call out particularly um, Korea and, uh, and, and a little bit, a little bit in, in Europe. 
Um, I think maybe before I'll hand over to, to, to Jonathan, um, just to confirm you're right on the cost base. Um, you know, we always talk about 20% variable broadly and 80% um, fixed. Yeah, and, and just on to digital, I mean, we, as we've seen with uh, with peers and third party partners, the, 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 the digital channels suffered at the at sort of really post COVID, uh, primarily, I think, driven by a greater desire for customers to purchase in store. Um, there's um, definitely been a softening in searches uh, for brands across the luxury sectors, which is a challenge. Um, and I think this is really particularly in, in terms of the entry price categories. In terms of Burberry, uh, we obviously see digital as a, a key part of our omni-channel experience, and we've um, we've now um, uh, invested in a new design of the site, which we launched in terms of September. Um, I think just calling out on that, you know, we're still going through. We launched in September. Whenever you launch a new site, there are always things that you need to to look at and improve and and develop in terms of the experience. I think one call out here is that um, we are, I think when you're showing things online, it's, uh, it, it's probably harder to, to, to blend in the old versus the new. So people are really seeing, you know, Daniel's newness, a high level of fashion coming through there. And then they're also seeing the older, invent, uh, the older more carryover products is, uh, there as well. And as we start to evolve and develop that, that will be more of a seamless uh, experience in terms of absolute product journey and display on our sites. So, uh, again, early days for us in terms of um, uh, of our own digital site since the relaunch, but we're we're continuing to invest in digital. We're excited about the channel. We've been known to be a digital first brand, and we will continue to focus on that uh, and, and make sure that we uh, continue to give a stronger level of um, customer experience. Excellent, thank you. Okay. This concludes our Q&A session for today. I'll hand back over to Jonathan Ackroyd for any closing remarks. No, um, thank you for your time today. Obviously, um, uh, very, very good to give you further colour on our on our quarter's performance. Um, just to reiterate, um, we do have um, the external environment has become more challenging for us, but we're very confident about the plan that we have in place. We've been I'm very proud of the fact that we've executed at a very high level of speed. I think this has been recognized. Um, I'd like to you know, give credit to our teams um, across the company to helping to, to, to achieve and make this happen. And um, looking forward to talking to you again in, in January. Thank you very much.